Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and I'm here today with a very special guest, one of my comedy idols. Uh, we have Reggie Watts. He's a beatboxer, comedian, musician, all around super wacky, crazy, comedic guy. Um, super thrilled to be speaking with you. How are you, Reggie? I'm uh, doing very well. Yes, very well. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, very exciting to have you on our show. The, the reason being, it, we're a video game podcast, and I saw you doing some various tweets about video games and stuff, and I thought you'd be a perfect guest to get on here. Um, but before we go into that, I'm sure. sure there might be a few of our audience members that might not be familiar with you and your work. So can you give us a little elevator pitch on who you are and what you do? Sure. Yeah, my name is Reggie Watts, and I'm, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, a, a performance artist or a comedic performer. Um, and uh, yeah, so I do stand-up comedy. Um, when I do stand-up comedy, I use uh, looping pedals to go into musical numbers, should I feel the need. Um, so it goes in between talking and looping stuff. And uh, yeah, and then I also do... Uh, videos, acting. I'm a musician. I've been playing in bands a long time. So I do band stuff, music stuff, cameos and electronic music and uh, make electronic music, all kinds of music. And that's, uh, yeah, VR space, AR space, uh, developing original content, you know, uh, consulting on uh, UI design and just product design, things like that. And uh, yeah, that's mainly it. So you obviously blend comedy and music very well. Which would you say came first? Uh, say in high school, would you have considered yourself a class clown or did you come more naturally into comedy and like performing down the road? I was definitely a class clown. I, I as far back as I remember, I loved to laugh. I loved, I loved it when other people were laughing and I really loved it when I could make people laugh. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I was always an entertainer, you know, at, at at heart, for sure. That's cool. Um, so, but which would you say came first, the comedy or the music? And what age were you when you started? What was the first instrument you kind of tinkered around with? Mm. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, I always loved music, so I would probably say music would be first. But I also just loved laughing at stuff. So, you know, I mean, it's pretty close. I mean, I, you know, as as far back as I can remember, maybe age between age one and two with the vaguest of memories you know just remember like laughing at shows but also being mesmerized by music so i would kind of say they're kind of equal um yeah. but tra training wise um definitely music i started uh playing the piano at uh, age five um uh, and wow. private lessons um in great falls montana where i grew up and uh studied with uh a woman named Judy Riesenberg, who was a really great teacher. And I took from her till about age 16. And uh, in that uh, time in the public school system, I started, I learned uh, violin and played in the school orchestras from elementary through high school. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, did you happen to get into any like bands outside of school like many say punk rock or anything just curious <laughs> no no i had a band i mean i did have a band um called uh, autumn asylum Ooh, um, that's and, a really cool name uh, yeah yeah <laughs> um, but we just like recorded like five like five songs i think and um uh yeah made like a demo it was exciting i mean it was cool you know we had like this band we played like out maybe three times 
Um, but, uh, and then there was like band drama and stuff like that. It's just <laughs> classic. So, you know, there's a band probably for maybe six months or so. That's yeah. cool. Um, and yeah. I guess while we're on the topic of music, what genre of music do you find yourself most listening to these days? Uh, has that evolved over time? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely it's, it's, it's evolved. I mean, as new music forms emerge, uh, I'm, I gravitate towards those and see, you know, to see if, see if there's anything there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I listen to a lot of mu- a lot of different kind of music. I mean, I grew up in the eighties, so I love all, all eighties music, um, and, and music in the nineties as well. But, um, yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy music from probably every decade, decade, um, and any style really. I mean, whether it's electronic and all the various genres of electronic, you know, I gravitate more towards uh, minimal techno or tech house. Um, but I do like, I mean, obviously I enjoy like trap, trap music or post dubstep, some dubstep, um, stuff, um, gabber sometimes, uh, uh, you know, two-step or garage or, you know, house, just straight house, you know, all, anything that's, anything that's compelling in that, that realm. I love like really hard, hard rock and roll. I I love, uh, metal, you know, math rock stuff like Meshuggah. Um, I like. I like, um, but I also like, you know, um, Soundgarden and, um, uh, you know, some system of a down stuff or just like classic rock and roll or like kind of like hardcore stuff like the Flatworms and LA band here. So, I mean, it, it, it goes all the, all the ranges. I, I basically say I like anything that's good. So <laughs> blues, jazz, jazz, anything. <laughs> I hear that. I, um, that's very relatable. And yeah, that's quite a wide, uh, array of different, uh, styles that you mentioned in various artists and stuff. So that's really cool. Um, I guess, is there any notice, notable musicians that you've got a chance to perform with that, like, during your career as a comedy musician? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I got to, got to perform a little with, uh, Weird Al Yankovic, which is a huge, I mean, he was a huge influence on me in elementary school. Um, that's awesome for sure, for sure. Uh, so it was great to like, you know, jam a little with him, hang a little with him, you know, I can, I could, I could call him a friend. Um, so yeah, he, he was amazing. Um, tenacious D I got to jam with them a little bit and that's some other heroes of mine. Um, you know, speak, speaking of comedic, like music, um, yeah, you know, lots of incredible musicians I've gotten to play with. I've definitely been lucky um i like any of the james murphy and the whole um dfa crew on stage was really amazing um yeah and uh trying to think of someone else well uh, well yeah oh uh who am i thinking of a sick organ player bernie worrell in new orleans i played played him i did a set with him that was pretty incredible so people i can think of right away yeah, no, that's that's a fantastic answer. And uh, is, let's talk gear before I move on to like your comedy background. Um, sure. I know you you play a keyboard and have like a looper, a pedal of some sort. How would you say your gear has evolved over time? What do you have now versus what you had in the beginning? And what would you consider a good looper to get started with? Yeah. Um. Well, in the beginning, when I first started doing looping, I started using the Line Six. DL4, okay, uh, which was a which was a is a is a delay, it's called a delay modeler. So it is able to mimic delay pedals and echo pedals. Uh, you know, starting 
from, I guess, the nascence of, of them. So maybe like the late 60s all the way through current um, digital delays. Um, and so I was using it in place of an RE-101. It was a Roland RE-101 Space Echo uh, that I used to use in my band. And when I started going on tour, they're very finicky. They run on tapes um, and they oftentimes break and you have to like splice them together, fix them and then re reroute them. And it's really sucks. So just before I went on a European tour, Line 6 announced this delay modeler, and I was like, holy crap, this is going to totally solve my problems. And I, I got it, and it totally sounded like the RE-101. It was awesome. But there was also a, a loop function uh, as one of the modes, and eventually I started messing with it and having fun with it and using it as a scratch pad so that if I had a song idea, I could you know, hum it into the into the machine loop it and then have my band listen to it in the rehearsal room and then you know slowly start to pick up on it and then like then i just you know turn it off when the band got it yeah so so it was that and then i started doing solo shows like on piano kind of like stuff i used to do in high school and drama and um i started using that to like back myself up and it just kind of evolved from there um me experimenting with it and doing loops and uh having musicians play along with me or me trying to match other musicians and and then eventually doing these like solo shows kind of led to my comedy hybrid looping music thing. That's so cool. And okay, well then I guess I can kind of segue into my questions about your comedy career. You you obviously have a very out of the box, unique style. Uh, I've heard Chris Hardwick say that like you're a genius when it comes to comedy. And I was just recently refreshing myself watching your Netflix special Spatial, and it's such a psychedelic trip and very entertaining. How did you develop your own style of comedy? I feel like that's probably the hardest thing for anyone even delving into the world of comedy is to have your own style. Like you, you're unlike many, I can't really put a name and be like, oh, Reggie Watts is similar to X comedian. Who would you say are some of your influences and how did you develop that like just crazy style or is that just, that's just you and that's the, the, the best thing about it? <laughs> well, I mean, I think, you know, I feel like I, you know, I've been doing it like I kind of mentioned earlier uh, in high school. I, I used to do some version of this where I would do these kind of improvised one man shows um, where I would mix bits of talking and and also some music, you know, acapella music stuff. And so expanding on that, you know, start doing solo shows is just out of a, a, an ability to fill time or a need to fill time. And so mixing music with talking just seemed as an improviser seemed to cut down on the amount of time I had to talk. Um, so I could do music bits and then kind of use that comedically. So it feels like I, I've kind of developed that on my own, but, um, you know, there are definitely people that I saw growing up like Victor Borka who used to do these, uh, he's a master piano player, but also an amazing comedian. And he would do these, these bits on, on piano, you would do these comedic takes using um, classical music, uh, and it, it was just absolutely brilliant. And uh, you know, or even Monty Python, um, Weird Al Yankovic, yeah, Tenacious D, as I mentioned. Um, uh, who else? Like, uh, yeah, just people writing funny songs. I mean, I guess it could be, you know, uh, there's a band called Bongwater. Wrote a lot of like a, <laughs> really amazing songs um that's a cool you know, band name yeah yeah they're they're actually really amazing but uh super psychedelic but and also a great movie oh <laughs> right check out that movie. <laughs> totally. yeah that's a really good movie um yeah so yeah yeah i would say and then just you know just music in general just inspiring me and or stand-up comedians george carlin richard pryor 
you know, or like the newer school, like the state, um, not so much Upright Citizens Brigade. I didn't know them as that. I knew them more as they broke off and started uh, doing things in movies and, th- and, and, and that sort of thing. But, but Stella, which came from the state, which I never really saw the state, but when I saw Stella, which was Michael Showalter, Michael Ian Black, and David Wayne's uh, comedy sketch trio. And they uh, made like these really shitty DV videos um, that were just ridiculously hilarious and uh, they inspired me comedically, uh, and they would use music as well, um, you know, to comedic effect. So it's, you know, pretty much a huge range, but those are some of the people. That's a great answer. And it's, it's interesting too. I, I mentioned tangentially, uh, your Netflix special, uh, spatial, like I have a few questions about that. Uh, yeah. How, how? I don't know. It doesn't. When you look at many other uh, comedic uh, stand-up specials, it's usually just an hour of talking. Like you had all sorts of flexibility of being able to have like a live band and like a studio audience for this uh, for the Crow's Nest, like that fantastic like in-house show. And then mm-hmm. I don't know. It just was really unlike any other Netflix special I've ever seen. Is that something you look forward to doing again in the future? And is is it unlike doing specials with other platforms? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, yeah, I have, uh, I think, I think they're going to do my next one. Um, I know that it's in the deal that they have first dibs on it. So, um, yeah, so hopefully that happens and that would be rad because they're really fun to work with. They don't really, you know, you know, and at least in my case, I, you know, I think we were given one note, but my vision was pretty clear about what I, how I wanted the show to be and how, how it was to run. Yeah. So I think it seemed pretty simple. The explanation was very simple. And the fact that it's improvised, you know, with like specific sets, um, um, it, you know, not like I didn't like over design everything. I just kind of had like general vibes and moods and, and things like that. And I allowed the, the people that I work with, the director, Ben Dickinson, who is a friend of mine, and we've worked on several projects. So we have a shorthand and I just trust what he ends up, you know, making the call for. Uh, and, uh, same thing with the production designer and all that, like they're all people that I trust. So I just tell them the general vibe of what I'm looking for. And they usually just hook right into it and make it theirs. And we make it collectively, you know, um, running off of my overall vision, but I allow people to fill in the blanks. So, so it, you know, they really didn't have any notes about that. So I, I had a great time working with Netflix there. I, I definitely look forward to doing another special with them for sure. Awesome. Okay. And I guess, uh, what percent would you say of it is like to the script? And then what other percent would you say is kind of like on the fly, just you making stuff up as you're in front of the audience or is for a special like that? Is it kind of like you have it all planned out to a T? Um, no, none of it's planned out at all. Um, (laughs) wow. Uh, it's, uh, it's improvised. We, we, we basically ran it twice. So all I, all I, all I described are the events that I wanted to occur. So, um, you know, I wanted there to be a band scene. I wanted there to be kind of this soul train, uh, moment, uh, Don Cornelius kind of end of soul train kind of vibe. Yeah. And, um, and then wanted some, you know, like with some gags or whatever, like this kind of strip tease gag. Uh, kind of happened, uh, <laughs> you know, like later on. And I, I would just say, or, or the crow's nest and I'd be like, I want to do this thing. The crow's nest. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Here's, I just described the set and they pretty much nailed it exactly what I wanted. And, um, and so all of those elements were constructed, put together, uh, based off of 
my ideas. And then, you know, I came in for a pre-production look at the the set while they were building it. And I was like, yeah, that looks great. That looks cool. Discussed some problems they were having for camera placement or whatever, but that was it. And then uh, the day of, you know, that's when I tried on my, uh, well, I guess the day before we tried costumes on, but then the day of, I just, we basically just went in and did it. And I remember uh, even Rory Scoville and Kate Berlant, you know, sent me an email. And we're like, what are we doing tomorrow? And I was like, <laughs> And I was, and I just sent them the theme song to the crow's nest and both of them were like, okay, we got it. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and then, uh, yeah. And they put on their outfits for the first time. And then we met on the side of the stage and I was just like, okay, let's just do three run throughs. Okay. We'll do one. That's just kind of like standard sitcom another one that's like drastic circumstances and one that's just physical humor. Um, and so they were like, okay, cool. And then we just like ran each of those. That was it. Um, and then the band thing we kind of filmed as well, like, uh, separately. I mean, during the show when the audience is there, obviously we, we shot it and then the rest of the show just ran like a show and, um, I would go between things and, and we did it twice so that we could have a couple different, you know, options for editing. And that was it. So it was all done live. Um, and it was all improvised. That's super impressive. It was extremely entertaining. Um, and you mentioned the theme song for Crow's Nest. As a musician, you're capable of uh, providing all sorts of theme songs. One of which being uh, the comedy Bang Bang theme song. They're still using it for the podcast to this day. Um, and you were on the TV program for three and a half seasons. Uh, and it was by far my favorite TV program I've ever witnessed. Like, it's just <laughs> one of my favorite shows. I can't deny it's one of the greatest things to happen to comedy. But uh, I just wanted to, I guess, get your feedback on what are some of your fondest memories of working with that team? And do you think that you'll be on the podcast again in the future. I know you were on a handful of episodes early on and it's been maybe a year or two, but I'm just also curious as how that works out. Is it more or less if the stars align and your schedules work out that you can be in the area to record with them? Uh, I mean, it's, it's a little of that, but really, I mean, if Scott asks me, do I want to do the podcast? I always say yes. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of up to, it's like Scott's call. Um, and I, cause I just always assume that he knows, you know, he knows best <laughs> for what he's doing, okay. uh, you know, <laughs> what he wants, but you know, I definitely, it's been a while. So maybe I'll, you know, because of this, I'll, I'll text him and, oh, you please. know, ask him, I'll be like, Hey man, uh, if you got room on the podcast, cause he probably thinks that I, that I'm just like not as into it or whatever i have a feeling i mean i don't know but that's like the feeling i have like if that we haven't talked in a while oh my gosh um, if i can be the catalyst to get you guys talking again <laughs> yeah let's let's do it yeah i'll go send him a text and i'll be like hey man you know podcast you know and then he might say i'm giving up podcasting no i don't know no, but <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I do it in a second. I actually get a little intimidated when I do his podcast because he has such incredible uh, guests on there. And they've, they've been doing it so long that they have this shorthand with one another uh, that is, and it's super lightning fast. Yes. And so sometimes I'll get a little intimidated. So that's <laughs> so it's kind of a funny thing. That is funny. I can't imagine you being intimidated. You're a comedy legend too. So when you, anytime you're in studio with them, it's always a great listen. Um, but then Thanks. I guess we can kind of segue into the video game talk. The reason we're having you on our show, when did video gaming enter your life? And would you consider yourself like much of a gamer these days? Uh, I guess I would, I guess I would, you know, I play video games like someone would read like a book once in a while, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, like I, I'm not like, 
I'm not crazy, but definitely if I'm if I start a video game, I tend to go into these intense periods um, and then finish the video game. And then I'm and then I might not play a video game for a while. And really, the I think the reason why I don't play as many as often is probably just because the there's not there's not a lot of titles that I like that come out. Um, so it's like few and far between. But um, that said, I mean, I have you know I have PS4. Xbox One S and um and also an Alienware, um Ooh, nice. just cause, just because I wanted I wanted all available video games. Um, so with Alienware, I'm I'm running Sims, which I'm actually downloading now, which <laughs> I'm stoked about the Sims Four because I just love that. It's just a, such a weird idea for a video game. I love it. Um, oh, totally. Uh, so yeah, and I haven't played a computer version of the Sims. I've only played the mobile version. <laughs> so okay. um, Sims Three. So, uh, yeah, so that, uh, also, uh, for VR, I run VR off of a, off of a, off of that system as well. Um, I also have PlayStation VR, um, and I've been playing Farpoint a little bit. Uh, and, uh, I want to get the, the rifle interface though, cause I want to feel what that feels like. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then, yeah, Xbox, I'm, I just finished Mass Effect Andromeda, um, and, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Destiny 2. Um, and trying to think what, what else is coming out that I'm really digging. I know this isn't, yeah, I'll get back to the original question, but, uh, <laughs> no it just kind of started me spiraling off. I was like, what, what else? Um, yeah, that and what other, there's something else coming out. Oh, well, I am looking forward to the next Borderlands. I'm a huge Borderlands fan. Oh, totally. Uh, it's the, it, to me, it's like one of the most perfect video games ever created. Awesome. Um, yeah. So anyways, but I got into video games when I was a kid. I got, uh, you know, like Pong uh, was one of the first ones. And, you know, uh, a friend of mine who lived a couple fences away, you know, played ColecoVision um, or no, he had Intellivision. And oh, so nice. a, little, a little Intellivision. I was an ar- I played in arcades, you know, now and then. But I only really liked a few games. You know, I liked um, I liked Galaxian. Um, never understood Tempest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, I loved, uh, oh, battle zone. I really liked, um, and just because you could like walk, you know, if you felt like you were in it, which was really cool. And so, and the, also the star Wars game was really nice. Cause you were kind of in a cockpit when you played it, um, in the arcade that, yeah. And then I got an Atari, I got a Commodore 64, Commodore 128, uh, Texas instruments, TI 99, 4A. Um, Damn. she used to play Parsec on that, which was a super dope shooter game. Um, and then some text-based games as well, like Zork. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. And then I, and then it was really weird. I, I, when I, in the nineties, when I moved to Seattle, I actually, I didn't get it. I didn't stick with video games because when the controllers came out when like the super NES controller came out with the multifunction joysticks, yeah. um, that intimidated me, uh, for some reason. And, uh, and so I didn't own a system and didn't really play until about, until the Sega Dreamcast came out. And, oh, awesome. and when that came out, I played two games on that system that totally engrossed me, which was, um, uh, Resident Evil. I can't remember which one it was, but Resident Evil, um, and, uh, Shenmue. Oh, totally. Both incredible franchises. So that's great. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. And so I, you know, so I, I played that. I mean, I think I tried some other things, but those were the two that I really kind of focused on. So I, 
I played those, you know, Dreamcast for a while, and then Xbox came out, and other friends had Xboxes, and I would go over and play Halo, um, and Definitely. you know, you know, a couple other games, but you know, it was really dope. And then I got my own, and, and so then I kind of stuck mainly with Xbox, and um, kind of have I prefer Xbox. I think the I think the Xbox controller is far superior to the PS4 controller. Okay, yeah, that you, you answered one of my questions for me. <laughs> Oh, okay. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. Okay. Pre- preemptively, very uh, psychic. <laughs> yeah. Is there is there is there an ongoing debate between the two? Is that the uh, not really. I I was just curious because I was going to ask if you had a preference, just whether or not be uh, console to PC and and also controller preference because I know a lot of people it means something to some people, but to me, I I don't know. I I like both to be honest. The, the, I don't really see the difference. I know for people with like smaller hands, it actually matters, but like for me, it, it right. doesn't really affect me one way or the other yeah 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 i get that for sure i mean for me like if i'm playing ps4 it's also what you're used to but oh, um, sure for me like i just i didn't play ps4 for real until you know la- until maybe a year ago i got a ps a system so uh so that's me being used to the controller and i'm like oh it's cool it's got a lot it's got you know it's a different thing it's got accelerometers in it it's got like little lights for tracking it's got the you know the touchpad on top and it's got a microphone built into it and a speaker built into it so i mean uh you know there's there's a lot of tech in a ps4 controller for sure um, dual shock all that but uh the xbox just ergonomically when you're holding it when especially the elite controller has a slightly textured rubberized grip i think it's just a it just feels like it just sits in your hand like it's just part of your hand whereas the ps4 is a little smaller so it's uh you feel a little bit like fidgety with it like a little like cramped I can um, picture that. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense to me. That, um, that's all. Like when you switch between, but that's it. And console, PC, I, I, I you know, they're they're kind of equal. PC is obviously more complicated. You know, a little bit more complicated and buggy. Sure. But you get but you get that performance boost that you don't. But I've been waiting for consoles to catch up. You know, to to that. And yeah. who knows? The Xbox Xbox One X could could get there. You know. Definitely. And yeah, so you mentioned uh, you do uh, a mess around with VR on your Alienware. Um, Is that with an HTC Vive or an Oculus Rift? Just curious. That's that's a Vive. Yeah, that's a Vive system. Yeah. Um, What kind of games have you tried in VR? And if I'm not mistaken, I was reading around uh, in preparation for the interview and I saw that you've done some interesting things with VR. Like, I think I read that you performed in VR. Uh, What was that all about? Yeah. uh, um, Yeah. VR. uh... Alt space. VR. Oh yeah, Alt Space. Yeah, Alt Space. Uh, RIP. Uh, was a bunch of fucking sweethearts. They're all like incredible heroes for pioneering something. I guess possibly a little ahead of its time, but um, I thought it was right on. I was really sad to see them go. But yeah, yes, they really embraced the idea of social VR. Like they were just way ahead. Um, and I first saw them at Jash Fest, which is a, a comedy video company that I'm mildly associated to uh, on YouTube. And they had a festival in Palm Springs. And at the festival, they had a booth set up, an alt space VR to do stand up comedy and VR. And as soon as I saw it, someone was like, we want to do stand up comedy and VR. I was like, absolutely. Yes. And it's just like, it just put on the headset, had the controllers, immediately got into it um it was so much fun and then when i got back back from the festival i 
you know, mentioned to them saying like, I would love to do it again. And so we did it again. All space showed up went to trash offices and, and it did it. And we had like the largest audience for VR standup at the time, which I think was like, it's like five or 600 people simultaneously. Wow. That's um, so cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it was great. And I think, I think we, they had some technical glitches, some, some issues. And I think we melted a server, but like, oh. <laughs> uh, but, but, but they did it, you know, and, yeah, and then uh, you know that we started doing in-house. So in my house, like they would send a small team from San Francisco. So it'd be like four or five cats would show up and help set up the system and get it calibrated and get the uh, motion tracking suit on the uh, perception neuron suit on, and uh, and away we went in my house, and that was really great. And so I did another stand-up thing there. I did an, I did a hangout with uh, Justin Roiland from Rick and Morty, creator. Okay voice of rick and morty um we did we hung out for a hollow special halloween show and a special halloween set that they built for us environment and he was at his house with the team and i was at my house with the team we hung out it for an hour and hour and 45 minutes in headset which was not we were supposed to do it for like i think half an hour or 40 minutes oh geez so <laughs> so we just couldn't stop and we just love it and he loves vr so much so yeah, so I did that and then did like a, a couple music ones, like kind of DJ ones where I was just playing music uh, and I mean, producing the music myself. And yeah, so they were just great. They were they were they were amazing. They were um, we were about to do another performance. And that's when I heard that they they got shut down. So because uh, of funding issues. So there was that. And um, yeah, and I worked recently with Microsoft HoloLens and creating some augmented reality assets for them. Um, and I'm going to be doing more with them, uh, soon and, uh, yeah, doing some stuff with mind show, just giving, doing some content. Mind show is going to launch soon ish sometime in the future. And, um, they're a VR, they call themselves a VR game. Uh, and it's where you're able to kind of create scenes using, uh, already built, uh, cartoon characters you can choose and then kind of inhabit them in VR and act out a scene microphone picks up your voice talking the character you know the mouth moves as your microphone as the microphone's picking your voice up and you can record the scene and then you can jump out of the body pick another character put it next to it jump into that body react off of the first recording you just made so wow. kind of like kind of like looping but it's scene building yeah that sounds really fun holy crap it, it is so cool it's really really great um so yeah so i'll be working with them a little bit and uh, possibly developing a video game with Justin Roiland um, for his video game company called Squanch Tendo. Um, and that is going to be, uh, yeah, sometime in the future. Who knows? Oh my gosh. That's extremely exciting news for our audience. That's, that sounds like a really cool project. And speaking of like uh, you and like blending your comedy abilities with video games, like one of the things I know about you is that you can, speak multiple languages and like really speak in different dialects and certain things and like kind of create your own like voice characters. But do you foresee yourself voicing any characters for video games? I think it might be a pretty good fit if that suits your career. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, thanks, man. I, I mean, I'm, I'm stoked about it. I would love to voice uh, for vi video game. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think I ever have, have I? No, I feel, I feel like, Maybe it did. No, it seems like such an obvious thing, but like that's what yeah, I'm no getting one, at. <laughs> yeah, no one, no one, no one's ever approached me. It's so funny. It's just like for animation. Like I did. I mean, I did. I did an animation this year, and I did two animated features, and one's 
going to be coming out called Duck, Duck, Goose. Okay. Um, and I voice a squirrel. <laughs> so, so there's that. But I mean, yeah, I haven't really done a lot of voiceover work and no, nor voiceover work. I mean, voiceover work for animation, nor voiceover work for, um, uh, video games. Really strange. Yeah. Cause I do voices all day long and I'm definitely not against doing it. So it's really funny. Yeah. No, Hey, we never know. Maybe we could see that in the future for you. Well, I guess I've kept you for a decent amount of time. Maybe we can play a quick conversation game. Uh, it's basically an audio quiz uh, if you're up for it. Sure, let's do it. Okay, let's play What's That Sound? Alright, so we're going to play a quick couple of games of What's That Sound? Uh, there's six sounds, a uh, couple helper sounds if we need them, and the objective is if you get two out of three right, you win a game and we'll play twice. So we're going to start with sound number one now. This is a sound clip from a video game. Let's see what you make of it. Wow. It's an old Gosh. school one. Yeah, it's yeah. a tough one. I'm I'm wondering if it could be um Is it Street Fighter? No, but I will count that's that as a guess. Second? No, but I will count oh. that as a guess also. But okay. yes, you have three guesses, so you have okay. one more. Uh and there's I I'm thinking I uh, It's not a I'm, platformer. No, I it's more or less some it's I'd say a shooter and I okay. I, I can't recall what system it was on but i i do remember reading that you have at least played it at some point but i'm not sure if it's gonna strike a chord in your memory or not all right i'm just playing it again i definitely think this is going to be one of the more challenging ones out of the quiz yeah that's a tough one not sure not sure uh, maybe uh, a shooter. Uh, sounds like it's got like some Russian vibe to it. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not it. But uh, Metroid. It's not. No, but fair guess. All good guesses. Uh, that was actually a sound clip from the game Zaxxon. Oh my uh, god, <laughs> Zaxxon! Holy yeah. shit, I played it so long ago. That's what I mean. That's a, a very oh old god. classic. But yeah, no, that's fair enough. But let's let's see what wow. you make of sound number two. That this game is very challenging, but I have I have faith that you'll get m- many more of these. Let's see. Uh, let's play sound number two now. Okay. Which is where you come in, Chief? Get Cortana off this ship. Keep her safe from the enemy. If they capture her, they'll learn everything. Force deployment, weapons research, Earth. I understand. Oh, great. Halo. Yep, yep. You got that one. That was pretty. That was pretty quick. Yeah. All right, awesome. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, I th- there were some context clues in there. I knew that might give that away. All right, so now you got one and you missed one. Uh, if you get this yeah. next one, you'll win the first game. Let's see what you make of sound number three. Okay. Welcome to Firestone. I am CL4PTP. You may call me by my locally designated name, Claptrap. 
<laughs> Borderlands. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's funny because you mentioned that. That's one of your favorite games. So that's great. That's that's yeah. fantastic. All right. So one out of two. You won the first game. Let's hope uh, for the best for the second game. Let's start with sound number four now. Mario Kart. Yes, absolutely. Yep, and specifically that was the one, uh, Mario Kart 64. I know I've played countless hours of that growing up as a kid. Yeah, so familiar. As soon as I heard the... I was like, oh (laughs) shit, I know what that is. Uh, Yeah. Good. All right. Sweet. And then now these last two sounds both have helper sounds if we need them, but I'm not sure if we will. But let's listen to five now. Wait, don't shoot Get down. We can't stay out here. Head to the police station. It'll be a lot safer. I'm going to guess Resident Evil. Yeah, okay. And that's the thing with our game. If you guess the franchise, you're correct. So that's a yes. Already you win the second game, but we can move on to the next sound to see if you could get the hat trick. But that was Resident Evil 2 specifically. So that ah, might actually be the one does. you recall from Dreamcast. I th- I'm fairly sure it was on. Yeah, I, th- I think it was two. I think it was the two. Yeah, it was the, like the, it was the only it was the first one released on Dreamcast. So that okay. must be it. I believe okay. that's the case. All right. Well, then, yeah, let's see if you get this final sound just for shits and giggles. Uh, sound six now. Yes. Let's get this over with. Are we ready to proceed? Jarl Ulfric, General Tullius, this council is unprecedented. We are gathered here at the Dragonborn's request. I ask that you all respect the spirit of High Hrothgar and do your best to begin the process of achieving a lasting peace. Now this one also has some context clues. I'm not sure if you had a chance to play this title, though. Hmm. Ah. Well, it's got a lot of uh, Scandinavian um, lore in it. Gosh, let's see. Uh, I wanted to say it's definitely not Divinity. Um, is it Dragonborn? Because there's Dragonborn and Divinity, but it's not. Uh, no, that would be Divinity too, which is now yeah. Okay, uh, Dragonborn. Where else would have Dragonborn? Dragonborn. Uh, Elder Scrolls. Yes, it is. Yes, exactly. That is Elder Scrolls Five Morrowind? Skyrim. Skyrim. Oh, Skyrim. Yeah, Skyrim. it's close enough, but yeah, that was fantastic. And it's funny hearing you deduce that from, the, yeah, Divinity Original Sin. It's very D&D oriented, and they have the Dragonborn as a race. So yes. that was pretty cool how you got to that answer. But yeah, and that's that's the hat trick. You crushed my audio quiz, dude. You only missed one. <laughs> and, so Dope. well done. Thanks, man. <laughs> that was fun. All right, and let's wrap this episode up. Uh, I really can't thank you for joining me enough. Like, it's been uh, a serious, like, this is one of the, a milestone in my podcasting career. I've been looking forward to having uh, you on the show for a long time. So this is uh, super thrilling and honoring. Um, where can 
our listeners find you and maybe plug any upcoming future projects or comedy dates, anything like that, here's your opportunity. Sure. Um, yeah, I, uh, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Reggie Watts and you can find me on Instagram at Reggie Watts. And I think I'm on Facebook. I don't use it, but, uh, (laughs) I think shows are announced on my fan page. And I do have a website, ReggieWatts.com. It's really crappy right now. Uh, hopefully it'll get better, but something to look forward to. I'm also on Tumblr as a uh, situationist. Okay. Awesome. And uh, Yeah, and it's been an honor uh, doing this with you as well. So thanks a lot for asking me. Of course. Thank you so much. And listener, if you enjoy our show, please give us a like or follow on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle's ABT Silence. We Twitch stream every now and then, typically Tuesdays and Thursdays, over at twitch.tv slash ABT Silence. And we will be back next week talking some games. Thanks for joining us, Reggie. See you uh, later. <laughs> okay, bye.